We start off this morning's news with news that Keith's old neighbor is back in town. Sinclair's Diamond Sports is creating all kinds of havoc for many sports teams all over the country. It's something uh, that Keith and I have talked about repeatedly and frankly predicted that uh, this was going to happen. And Keith and I don't very often dig into radio format changes. We don't do that very often. But this one deserves some discussion. So we're going to do it. <laughs> well, we do. Whether you like it or not, because we're we talking are about back it. With, that's right. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. A couple of uh, media boomers uh, offering our comments and opinions on all things media. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver, and that media-centric Los Angeles guy is my co-host, Keith Samuels, up in the hills of Hollywood. Yeah, good morning, so Jackson. For joining us this week. We would Thank you, Keith. Good to see you. We would like to welcome everybody to the February 22nd episode of Media Insultant. You know, I think the weather is getting to me, Keith. I, I'm getting ready for a show today, and I'm humming the old song, Summertime, Summertime, by the Jamies from 1962. And I think all the rain, all the gloom, all the days without sunshine, I just think it's its getting to me. And now, on top of the weather, I have this summertime, summertime earworm in my head. It's driving me crazy. So you're so- lucky being where you are. <laughs> Certainly not hearing that in my head. And by the way, I don't think I've ever heard it in my head. And it just proves that you're much older than me. Uh, but um, we have a, a little break <laughs> here uh, this week. Uh, so there's a little bit of rain coming in tomorrow and, and Friday and Saturday. So you're not missing much, buddy. We're going to be uh, cold and rainy and, and very un-February-like for Southern California. So uh, it'll be a different song running in my head. You'll enjoy it. Okay. All right. All right, well, we'll ask you what that is next week. So, you know, Keith, everyone who doesn't live in L.A. thinks that those of you who live in L.A. have constant celebrity sightings. Is that true? Do you see celebs all the time? Not all the time because, you know, uh, I'm not an expense account anymore. So I'm not, you know, at the at the, the A-list restaurants where you're going to see most of these folks. But, uh, you know, from time to time, you never know. You just you just all of a sudden find yourself sitting in a booth next to somebody, or you see somebody walk across the, the dining room to their table, and you go, "Oh my gosh, it's Steve Martin! Oh my gosh, it's Jennifer Aniston!" You know, and you try yeah, and you try to be cool. You don't want to make it look like it's the first time you've seen a celebrity. So you know, uh, but yeah, we do see some less celebrities around. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's another celebrity who's back in town, and uh, I'm not sure why, but uh, he relocated from the East Coast, I guess, New York City. And uh, the famous Ryan Seacrest is back in town. Uh, he used to be a neighbor of yours, so you probably have all the inside scoop on why Ryan Seacrest is back in town, Keith. What is it? What's up? <laughs> well, he, he's, he's quitting live with Kelly and Ryan. Apparently, he's not back yet. Uh, I mean, he comes back because he's on the, you know, he hosts Idol and, and, and they do a lot of that production here. But uh, Ryan is, is going to stay on with Kelly until this spring. I don't know the exact end date. And then um, he's relocating back to uh, to Los Angeles. Now, you know, Ryan's first house in L.A. was right next door to, to where my wife and I live, up here in the hills above Sunset Strip. Ryan was a great neighbor. And 
but Ryan did a did a little bit better than I did as a radio sales manager. You know, he ended up he ended up selling the house. Uh, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen years ago, and moved bigger. And then he got really big, and he bought Ellen DeGeneres's uh, little. Uh, complex, if you will, uh, in, in Beverly Hills, which is where he was living uh, while, before he did Kelly and Ryan. And then he still owned it, but he sold it like a year ago. So, uh, you know, he's going to be coming back looking for a house. So we're anxious to help him house hunt. And so he could be, but maybe he could be back in the neighborhood well, again. But Keith, this isn't a real estate show. It's a media show. I, I don't give a shit where he lives. Okay. I do care why he's back in town. Is he still doing mornings on on Kiss? Yeah, he still does mornings on Kiss, and I think he gets up really early to do those in New York before he does the Kelly show. And you know, so he basically voice tracks the show with uh, with his sidekick and other you know, other staffers. He'll con- he's going to continue that. And I think there's a couple things going on here. One is Ryan doesn't make bad decisions. Okay, he makes really smart decisions. He's he's never stubbed his toe anywhere. He always makes the right moves. Now, whether that's just Ryan's decision or it's Ryan and the people around Ryan and his folks, or maybe it's all of the above. But, you know, so clearly something's happened back there with Kelly and Ryan. It wasn't working out for some reason. Or he said, you know what, I've got so much at stake with my production company, Ryan Seacrest Enterprises, you know, which is executive produces the Kardashians and the Shaws of Sunset and, you know, a host of other shows. He just re-signed his CEO of Ryan Seacrest Enterprises, a guy named Jeff Refold. And Jeff's been Ryan's sidekick for 20 years. And he's run Seacrest Enterprises since 2008 when Ryan founded it. So this guy is 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 the... You know, I don't want to say the alter ego, but it's it's the guy running Ryan's business, okay? And then you've got, you know, Ryan's involvement with uh, with all those television shows. I think he needs to put some more emphasis on that. And he's probably thinking he hasn't been able to do enough. And the other part is living in New York isn't all that easy. So living in L.A. is a lot easier lifestyle. But I have, I have something else I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to throw out there and say that Ryan's first love is radio. Okay, It always has been and always will be. Now, Ryan also owns the rights to Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve show. That's a Ryan Seacrest Enterprises production. Okay, So Dick Clark is like the patron saint, the, you know, the idol of, oh, pardon the pun, of, of Ryan Seacrest, where he always had a radio show. Dick Clark always had presence on radio. In his later years, it was his countdown show. But it always gave him an anchor and a foundation from which to work off of. And I think the Kiss Morning Show is really, really important to Ryan. And, you know, I don't want to say he got an ultimatum, but Kiss has not been doing that well lately over the last year, year and a half, two years now in ratings. It's just been a steady decline from either a number one or two station in L.A. to now clinging to a top ten spot. Fifth or sixth. Yeah, Yeah. and it has been. It has been uh, the, the number two billing radio station in America right up there behind WTOP in Washington. So iHeart's got a lot invested in Ryan and the success at KISS FM. And if that starts to wane, it's kind of like, look, Ryan, we're either, we either got to make a move or you got to make a move. And that move is you come right. back and do the show live in the morning on KISS at the studios down on, uh, at your production offices down on, on Wilshire. We don't care where you do it, but you got to be live in L.A. Let's, let's juice it up. So I think this is a... 
a great move for Ryan for his television production business, and I think it's a great move for uh, the guys and gals at Kiss FM and at, at iHeart LA, uh, where where Ryan here will make a big difference. Now, you also have to remember that Greg, Greg Ashlock and, and Roy Lachlan merchandised the hell out of Ryan when he was living in LA and, and doing the mornings live at Kiss. And the, there's a whole generation of media buyers in LA that grew up with Ryan you know, as the morning guy at Kiss and before that as the afternoon guy at Star. And they really like Ryan. They know Ryan. Ryan knows them. I mean, he was, he's great with clients, just great with clients. And those buyers, sadly, are aging out. You know, there's a whole other generation coming up of media people. And they ha- you know, Ryan's been gone for six, six years, I guess. So it's time to re-engage, I think. And I think you're going to see a re-engagement of Ryan with KISS, with their sales organization, with iHeart sales organization, and, uh, and juice that station up. Or at least give it another run, right? Like, give, it, give it all he's got, and we'll see what happens. Worth keeping an eye on. Good, good evaluation of what's going on. So, thank you. And uh, if he moves in next door, we'll have him on uh, Media Insultant first thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to move on here. And uh, one of the things that is uh, that we don't talk much about, Keith, is format changes. Um, and frankly, because and the reason why I want to talk about this this morning is it's rare that a major market station drops country for AAA. But that's what's going on, and it's raising an awful lot of questions amongst a lot of people. Because Hubbard's country station here in Seattle, the Bull 98.9, has flipped to AAA. And the question becomes, how is it that the 12th largest market doesn't support two country stations? Now, there's KO in the South Sound, but KO doesn't subscribe and isn't got a full market signal. So they don't particularly count. But the country shares have been on a real decline in a lot of markets. And except if you get really down into the southeast corner of the country. And so the, the question is, 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 this a, is this a systemic issue for country? And I'm sure Jack Hutchinson at Odyssey, who has the wolf, <laughs> the other country station, is celebrating big time. But you, you win by default in that case, not because you had a better station. What, what you, what's your thought on this? Well, I, th- I thought about Jack, and Jack's a good guy, former Intercom guy in Portland. Now he oversees Intercom, now Odyssey in Seattle and Portland, and he's got a couple. Of, he's got a, a really you know a great country station up there, and uh, what is it, the Wolf? And uh, yeah, it, but you know, the, <laughs> the the thing is, is that we're seeing the result of the demographic shifts of your Northwest markets, particularly Seattle. And, you know, I, I mentioned this to you last week that, that this is a different time and place than when KMPS was ruling the roost in country music in Seattle, Tacoma, uh, Everett, in the, uh, in, the, in the mid-80s all the way to the, you know, from the early 80s to the, uh, you know, the mid-90s, you know, with a, with a great run. And we've seen the, the market shift. You know, we, we see the market change. And, and so now you have, you've gone from a, 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 a typically blue-collar marketplace you know, with Boeing, PacCar, Peterbilt, all those big manufacturing companies in the Northwest that, were, that now no longer manufacture much in the Northwest. They do it somewhere else. And, and their workforce, along with this kind of middle-class you know, lifestyle that grew up around those companies, 
And, and country thrived. You had country in Seattle, you had country in Tacoma, you had country in Everett. Yet, you know, it was, it was, it was a, you know, a vibrant format. But now it's all tech bros and tech girls, right? So it's like, what are they going to listen to? So, yeah, I think, it, I think it's, it's sad to see. Uh, Jack will not get all of the uh, Bulls audience over to the Wolf. I guess we call country stations by animals now. And uh, he'll, get, he'll get a half a share, maybe, you know, not much. So there's nothing to celebrate. Jack, Jack's not celebrating because they're, they're, but it'll make the buyers, you know, go, okay, well, I'm going to buy country. But they're not going to give Jack a lot more money. They're not going to give his station, you know, all the money they spend on the bull. They're going to give him some, but not much. So, you know, while it's a loss in the, for the audience, it's not that big a gain for Jack and the folks over at Odyssey. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a sad thing to see country kind of wallow in the three-share range in Seattle when it used to be, uh, you know, top two or three. Yeah, it's a dramatic change. And, and I think some of those demographics are happening anywhere in the country. I mean, Seattle still has Packard and still has Boeing. But in addition to that, and again, we're talking share here, in addition to that, you know, we've got the tremendous infusion of, of the tech bros who've, who've joined. Mm-hmm. And so then the next question is... Why hasn't Seattle had a AAA format? This is a very music-centric community. I mean, you know, we've got everything in, that came out of Seattle from Merrily Rush, with Angel in the Morning, and, and the Kingsman, right up through the grunge scene. Seattle has always had a real vibrant country or a vibrant music scene. Even Pat O'Day used to do, made, made Seattle a breakout market for all kinds of records back in the 60s and 70s. And we did have a good AAA uh, station, an intercom station, the Mountain. They had a good run. But that ended 12 years ago, and the hole has been there for some time. So my question in this is, these guys at Hubbard come in, and they do a little research with Paragon, and they say there's a hole in the market for this format. Duh. Well, that's been unrecognized <laughs> for 12 years. No, it's <laughs> always been there. <laughs> but then it comes to the question of, well, why did the Mountain, why did Intercom at the time drop the Mountain? And, you know, because it was as, uh, uh, it was genuinely a power positive kind of a format. It was, uh, had a lot of street cred. It was really a very, it had a great power ratio, far more than you would, you would expect. So why did it take 12 years for somebody else to jump into that space? What, what's the difference? Is it because we are too techie now? Nobody listens to the radio in that young hip group? What do you think? I don't know what to think specifically because I haven't seen the research. But if the Mountain was that successful and had that great a power ratio and they were driving revenue and sales were through the roof, they'd still be in the format. But it didn't, it didn't drive revenue. So they're out of there. Now comes along, five years ago, Hubbard flips uh, Rock Station to the Bull, KNUC, New Country or something. I guess that's what it sounds for. So they, they lead the league in picking really bad call letters for their countries, you know, for their for their stations. But anyway, that aside, um, and so they, they they give it a run. They flip to country because Jack, you know, uh, killed off KMPS. So Hubbard's going well. Wow, that was a great station. There's room for two country stations in Seattle. Let's flip a, a, a money losing rock station to country, and we'll scoop up that 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 alternative audience that doesn't want to listen to the Wolf all the time. And we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. And clearly what's happened is they haven't been able to drive revenue. And by the way, 
for five years, they never had a live local morning show. They had a syndicated morning show the entire time at at the Bull, and they voice-tracked a lot of the uh, on-air shifts from out of market. So this was a low-budget flanker move to try to get some dollars and some audience away from, from Odyssey and their country station. And, and clearly, it didn't work. That's why you flip formats. You're not growing. You're not growing audience. You're not growing revenue. So what are we going to do? Well, let's do research and find the hole that we hope is there because we can't wait to do adult alternative, whatever it is. What does AAA stand for? Adult alternative, uh, adult whatever. Album, uh, album adult alternative. Album. Well, yeah. And so it's, it's you know, alternative rock. So they go. So they prove to themselves that that hole still exists, and uh, and so now they, they 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 kill off this 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 losing country station. And by the way, it doesn't hurt to have a general manager in Seattle, Trip Reeb, who you know spent 18 years at K Rock. The guy's a rock legend. This is right up his alley. He's the market manager in Phoenix, where he's got three rock stations. He's you know he's got. This is what he does. And I bet that both he and Scott Mihalik, who's the program director there, have never been in the country, you know, for a nanosecond in their life. And, you know, and you need to have some passion to win in that format. I don't think they had the passion either. So this this really fits what they do well. well. But let's let's be clear. Mihalik has a tremendous track record with, he was the guy who put the wolf on the air. There's oh, a story okay. that David Fields told him if he got a, if he got to a certain share, he'd give him a million dollars cash. So Mahalik knows country and does country really well. The bull was good. And just another point, I don't mean to correct you here. But no, no, please do. No, please but, do. That's yes, good to know. They had, a syndica- they had a syndicated morning show, but they originated the syndicated morning show. So it was originated here in Seattle. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't syndicated and picked up somewhere else. So that's a, maybe a fine distinction, but. I, I hear your point in terms of Trip's goal, and so then there's been some question. You know, we had a talk with uh, Ed, our agency guy, for the last you know couple of days about some of this. Ed Steenman at Steenman Associates, and the, he speculated would somebody else jump into the format? What do you think? Oh, if somebody's going to pick up country. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. I think the well it depends on how how good. Uh, you know how good Lotus feels about KPLZ because they've been floundering, and that's that's a that's a solid contender, and I think one of the big rumor mill uh, stations for flipping to country. But I don't know what else you know you really want to you would really want to sacrifice up there. Our sources uh, at iHeart uh, say that the audience is simply too small. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, and and I would say that Lotus is going to have the same discussion. Uh, KPLZ has been has been struggling since they shifted to kind of an AC format. Uh, so long, hot, uh, but they still they they double the cum of what uh, KNUC had. So, you know, I can't imagine that they would they they're, they're in much better position to work on refining that format and getting a bigger share of that audience than they would be to start all over again with a new format. So I, would I don't agree. think I see anybody jumping into the format. I don't either. You know? I don't either. We may be right, and we may be wrong. <laughs> I, I just uh, will just wait and see. Uh, thanks for straightening me out on the uh, the, the uh, background of the of the program director at, at the Bull. So thank you. Good. No, no problem. No, no problem. That's, that's why we are here. To that's why you're here. Each that's other, right. Because because neither one of us knows shit. Uh, <laughs> but we do know. A couple of years ago, uh, we called this one. Uh, this was back when Sinclair got into the regional sports business. Remember that? 
Oh, yeah. We, at the time, when they bought these RSNs, we thought, well, this is nuts. I mean, just nuts. And they're about to go into bankruptcy. So uh, could you give us a little background here, Keith? How, how did this come about? that these RSNs that Fox sold to Disney, Disney had to get rid of them because they had ESPN, so they had to spin them off. They now operate as Bally Sports. Really, the ownership is Diamond Sports, but it's owned well, by I, Sinclair Broadcasting. Right, right. I, so, think, the, the, I think the way this started how, was that... Was what that happened? When, what? You, well, Disney bought, Disney bought 20th Century Fox, <laughs> and along with 20th Century Fox came a lot of stuff, including... Um, uh, that they had to get rid of, including uh, you know, their um, their Fox Sports Nets, their spot Fox Sports Networks, regional cable networks that primarily exist to do major league sports in local markets. And so they sold those off to Sinclair in 2019. And Sinclair formed a new division called Diamond Sports. Basically, it's a subsidiary of Sinclair, and they have a big television group. They own a lot of television stations, and now they have these regional sports net. And the first thing they do is they go out and they sell a naming rights deal to their network all over the country, all their regional sports nets, to Bally's, Bally Sports. And so they want to get on the forefront of, of sports betting and gam- sports gambling and all that stuff. And they do that. And, now, and, and, and in the process, they inherit all these rights fees that these regional sports networks pay to your favorite teams all over the country. In our market, they pay those rights fees to uh, the Clippers, and they pay those rights fees to the Angels, while the Lakers and the, and the also in the Kings, and the Lakers have, have their own network, and so do the Dodgers. Uh, but there's a lot of money in rights fees. What is it? You came up with a stat that they, it's $1.8 billion a year they, they owe in rights fees, and now they've got all the well, that's debt. This year. Yeah, that was this year. And then they have the rights fees at about $600 million in interest payments on top of the rights fees. And you have a recipe for disaster. And there was a, a quarterly payment that they needed to make last week. It was a $140 million interest payment, and they missed it. Right. And they went, mm, uh, we can't pay. So what's going on in the sports world is that this has really kind of triggered the, oh, my gosh, they're going to file for bankruptcy. That's a sign they're going to go out of business. Who's going to pay the rights fees? Who's going to carry the, the games? And now everybody's scrambling. So this yep, week, everybody's scrambling. Yeah. yeah. So last week, before the rights fee, before the 140 million interest payment was was missed, the the local TV guys were all kind of were all chirping up, okay? Because they're chirping up, going, "Hey, maybe this is our chance to go out and get these rights back to our local teams." Okay, because when you and I were growing up, the Mariners were on KSTW in Seattle, and the Dodgers were on KTTV Channel 11 in Los Angeles, and the Angels were on KTLA in Los Angeles because the team was owned KTLA. by yeah KTLA. The team was owned by Gene Autry, and he owned both. He owned KTLA and the Angels, and it, ha- it was the same thing in Arizona and anywhere else where these regional sports nets were. So they're thinking, wait a minute, if these regional sports guys can't make any money because of cord cutting. And number two, they out they overbid. They're overpaying for rights fees. And number three, because of the cord cutting, their audiences are shrinking, so they can't get the ad revenue that they used to think they could get or had projected they'd get this far out. Now the OTA OTA guys are going, "Hey, I am already on Hulu. The caught the the cord cutters, they can still watch me because I'm on Hulu." 
so I can they can I can carry the games. They can watch me on cable. They can watch me on Hulu. You know, they can be everywhere where they can watch them on air, Keith. That's what I mean. Or over the they can watch them on air. Right over the air. The old antenna. The old antenna. Next gen TV. Right. So we might see some really interesting action and dynamic between, you know, it's kind of like they flipped the tables now and the RSNs who went out and overbid for all this stuff, paid the big bucks, and now they're losing their ass. Are these rights going to come back to local stations? And it could very well happen. So, you know, we'll have to see on that. But the other part is, is that, you know, you've also got these groups of television stations that are much more consolidated and much bigger than they were 10, 15, or 20 years ago. So you have the Tegnas and the Scripps and the uh, Sinclairs, which are much bigger TV groups than were, uh, were roaming the earth a couple of decades ago. And so now they have the opportunity to form their own sports net, if you will, or even like a national network in some cases. So there's, there's going to be a lot of shifting of this business model for how you're going to consume and view local sports on television. Yeah, and it's, as we started talking about this, the thing that's really destructive that uh, is this is a huge hit. A Major League Baseball gets 21% of their revenue from the RSNs. Now, you take any business and take 21% off the top line, you got some real serious problems. And that's going to be the other part about it is that these renegotiated rights, which may be picked up by OTA or some other distribution platform, will never pay the fees that they were committed to under the current RSN agreements. So, you know, my takeaway on it is, uh, Keith, even the smartest guys in the room get it wrong. They had (laughs) banks that lent them $9 billion to do this. And nobody stood around and said, you know, I don't get this. RSNs have got, uh, you know, fewer and fewer subscribers, and the fees keep getting bigger and bigger. How's this going to pay? So... I think um, I think the other takeaway is that I found interesting is local sports on RSNs were supposed to cut down slow uh, cord cutting, right? And that didn't work out at all. <laughs> no, just, didn't yeah. work out at all. <laughs> well, and you're and you're seeing the same thing with the Pac-12 trying to negotiate their media deal, and that's that's cratering, and that's not going to happen. So, you know, the 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 teams and sports properties and conferences and leagues have gotten really greedy, and there's very few of them that can afford to be greedy anymore because there's no money coming at them because you can't make the money that the guys thought they could. And and by the way, it doesn't guarantee just you know that the Dodgers network or the Yankees network or the the uh, Lakers network is in any better shape. It's just that the team owns it. So they 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 don't have to, you know, it's kind of like they sell all the advertising anyway, so it's just another revenue stream. They would love to get a lot more rights fees. From, a, from another regional rep, and they're not going to get well, it, ever. Well, it's an interesting lesson in hubris, and we just have now gone over 30 minutes on this show, longest show we've ever done, so I'm going to say goodbye. <laughs> All right, but... Until next week, Media Insultant is a production of, of In-Town Media. We do interim contract management for radio stations, and you, as you know, can find the podcast just about anywhere. The video, all of the videos, are on the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. So we drop a new show each Wednesday, and uh, Keith, until next week, uh, boy, all I can say is it's been great catching up with you. We'll do it next week. (laughs) Sure hope so, Jackson. Thanks for keeping me on board. Talk to you soon.